You know, I think we're all unfortunately somewhat used to the uh, nature of lying and politics. It's unfortunate that's not the way it should be. Our founding fathers saw that as a reflection that uh, along with the entirety of the country, um, it should be a reflection of righteousness. Uh, But we know, unfortunately, we see lying and deceit in politics, but it, it, it even begins to creep into every area of life. We're not surprised by this. Um, we're starting to see even more of this in strange places like job interviews. Job interviews. Uh, Harvard Business Review was um, giving the advice to employers and saying, make sure that you're not lying in the midst of your job interview, giving a, an idea to the candidates that the job is not what it is. Uh, don't lie to them and don't sort of twist the truth about how hard the work might be or how boring the work might be. Harvard Business Review is saying this is extremely important. You think this would be obvious, but you see this from the interviewers and, of course, from those being interviewed as well. And really interesting and funny, you know, it's not funny lying in and of itself, but some of the lies that people tell in the midst of job interviews certainly can be. Uh, one gentleman, as he was interviewing for a, for a particular job, probably in a philosophy department of college or something in which they valued this. He said that he studied under Friedrich Nietzsche. Friedrich Nietzsche. Uh, The problem with that is that Nietzsche died over 100 years ago. So not true. Uh, One gentleman in in an interview said that he, in fact, worked for the CIA and pretty much implied that he was a spy. The only problem with that is the particular area of work that he said he was doing would have been, if you lined up the timeline, would have been while he was in elementary school. And I don't think the CIA is implying, employing spies that are in elementary school. One man worked to, had claimed to have worked for Microsoft, except there was only one problem, is that he didn't know who Bill Gates was. That seems kind of far-fetched that you wouldn't know who the founder of Microsoft was if you worked for Microsoft. And then one of my personal favorites was during a job interview, there was a, there was a man that said, claimed to have written a particular piece of computer code that was highly used in this particular area of work, and it was well known. It was a computer code that was written, and he claimed to the interviewer that I am the one that wrote this computer code. The only problem with that is that the man that was interviewing him was, in fact, the one that wrote that very famous bit of computer code. So he was caught red-handed in his lies. Now, here's the thing. Today, when we're talking about this, and we gather today's uh, title of today's message from our focal verse, Proverbs 19.5, he who speaks lies. But we're talking about lies and deceit, lies and deceit. And it's easy to even lie to ourselves about our own lying. So let's read here in chapter 19, verse 5, as we're in the midst, if you're joining us today in a study, walking through the book of Proverbs. And today we come here to chapter 19, verse 5. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. Now here's the thing, very simply, as we sort of look at the main thrust of today's message, write this down. The one who lies and deceives will ultimately pay with his reputation and trustworthiness. How does one pay? How does one suffer? It could be in many, many ways. And in fact, one could get caught in a lie that even brings them to their own death. But especially we see with one's reputation and trustworthiness. 
The title of the points today, in fact, are drawn just exactly from the two portions of this verse. And so the very first one that we see is a false witness will not go unpunished. Now, it's interesting when it's speaking here and you see in the original language, it's using almost the illustration of a false witness within a courtroom setting. But of course, we know that the principle applies to any deception and any lie in life. It's not just a matter of perjuring oneself under oath in a courtroom setting. But yet, this is an illustration here that we see, of course, used by Scripture. And an interesting illustration that kind of comes in, in, in tangent to that is, listen to this, when Canada's justice Landreville of the Ontario Supreme Court admitted before a Senate Commons investigating committee, and he said this, that I often lie on minor matters. Many Canadians were shocked. So again, the justice said, he's a Supreme Court justice of the Ontario Supreme Court, when he was being investigated, said, well, I often lie on minor matters. Many Canadians, they were shocked by this. A man who is vested with the responsibility of handing out justice and who had often commanded those before the bar to tell the whole truth, the, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God, had himself handled the truth loosely. In fact, what's shocking sometimes in our society, and really if we're honest with ourselves at times in our own life, is how we too might handle the truth loosely. And we'll say to ourselves, wow, that's a big deal. Man, a Supreme Court justice or someone under oath in, 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 a, in a courtroom that's, that's uh, testifying in a courtroom, that's a big deal. But do we deal with ourselves? Do we think about ourselves? And do we think about the seriousness of our own line? Or do we explain it away as, well, it's no big deal, or this had a reason why I did it, or this or that? Or do we explain it away? Do we see the seriousness of our own personal lying and deception? Look at the seriousness that we see here from Proverbs chapter 25, verse 18. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a club, a sword, and a sharp arrow. You understand what the Bible is doing there? You understand what God is doing through his word? He's saying when we bear false witness, when we lie against another, we are weaponizing our words. We're weaponizing our words. We are becoming a club, a sword, and a sharp arrow towards another. Look at this on the opposite side of the coin, though. Our words and the truth of our words are powerful in this sense. Proverbs twelve seventeen. He who speaks truth, though, on the other hand, declares righteousness, but a false witness, of course, deceit. So the positive side of that, think about it, though. When we are speaking the truth, at times as difficult as it may be in certain situations, difficult in the sense that it may have immediate consequences that may seem hard, difficult consequences that you may want to try to squirm out of, and then an instinct of one's sinful nature is, to, well, let's just lie, let's just bend the truth about it so we can get out of it. In the end, it is good, of course, in all cases to tell the truth, and when we do, we declare righteousness. You understand righteousness, perfect, pure, uh, sinless, blameless. That's the words that are used to speak of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in fact, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, when we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it says that he became sin who knew no sin, Jesus Christ, that we might become righteousness of God in him. We become righteous when we give our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, not by anything that we've done, but of course what God, Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. So that when the Father looks at us, he sees his Son. 
And that powerful concept of righteousness, purity, perfection, sinlessness, blamelessness, that is the sort of thing that we communicate and we show the beauty of to the lost world around us. It's a big deal. We can see the big deal in instances and illustrations like I used here from the Supreme Court Justice of Canada, but do we see, of course, the seriousness of our own deceit or the opposite side, of course, our own truth-telling? The question then becomes, it says, a false witness will not go unpunished. Well, then how is one punished? Ultimately, at the end of the day, one might even lose their life over a lie if it spins out of control. But what are some things that maybe hit closer to home? What about this? If you're known as a person that kind of twists the truth or however we want to kind of explain it away to ourselves or we're one that sort of tells half-truths or whatever, we tell lies. What about lack of trust? The lack of trust others have in us begins to erode. It also might see its way out in a lack of a promotion at work. What if, uh, one, what if there's a particular promotion that you're up for, but you're sort of known around the office as someone that can't be trusted, someone that will squirm out of particular things by telling a half-truth, maybe a lack of promotion. Similar to both of those things, a bad reputation. You gain a bad reputation. That's how one goes punished as well. And then also this, others are far more likely to lie to you as well. And we can see these case after case, application after application of how those things work themselves out and how the truth of Scripture here plays itself out. A false witness will not go unpunished. But secondly, and very simply again, the second part of this verse says this, and he who speaks lies will not escape. He who speaks lies will not escape. We all might remember the, the huge story that broke probably about a decade ago now of Bernie Madoff, Bernie Madoff, and he was the head of uh, his uh, self-named investment firm, and it became the largest Ponzi scheme in the history of the United States. A Ponzi scheme is similar to sort of a pyramid scheme when it comes to investing in this, that the Ponzi scheme, the first investors are being paid off by the latter investors. So those that are on the front end, they invest their money in the Ponzi scheme, and, the, and the, the, the organization, the investment itself is not really making true money to the point where it can pay everybody back, but what they're doing is they're paying the first people based upon what new investors are giving. And so it becomes, it just snowballs on itself, and as uh, Bernie Madoff himself said in the midst of his testimony, it was one big lie, a huge lie. So on March 12, 2009, he pleaded guilty to 11 felonies. He defrauded thousands of investors, and many of these investors, their investments uh, amounted to their retirement and their pensions, if you can imagine this. And in fact, when all truth was told at the end of the day, there was an amount missing from clients' accounts was almost $65 billion, with a B, billion dollars and fabricated gains, the largest Ponzi scheme in history. And so we ask ourselves, how in the world does something like this happen? As you guys well know, I'm often fond of speaking of and and often quoting Ravi Zacharias, and I love when he was uh, teaching on moral relativism. Moral relativism is the idea in our postmodern society that there's no objective truth. No objective truth. It's just People do what they want. What's true for you is not true for this person. What's true for you is not true for me. 
And so there's no moral, there's no objective truth. Therefore, we can have moral relativism. Like, you can't tell me that's wrong. What I'm doing, you can't tell me that's wrong because there's no objective truth. And what he says to us, and I love how he, he framed this in the midst of a sermon. He tells us that we should not be surprised when we teach moral relativism in our universities and those graduates go on to Wall Street and, and cheat us out of our pensions. He said we shouldn't be surprised about that when we're teaching moral relativism in our society and then we see people cheat us out of what is rightly ours because we're teaching moral relativism. And it's the same thing when we come down to thinking about deceit and lying. We are sort of doing our own sort of internal in a vacuum moral relativism in our own life. We're explaining it away. And again, why does this happen? Jeremiah 17.9 says this, that the human heart, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So again, we live in the midst of a world that says all people are basically good. And you've heard me say before, that's the greatest self-deception in the history of our world, is to basically think that all people are basically good. No, we see from Scripture that all people are not basically good. God himself tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's self-decision, self-deception, and that self-deception begins to snowball in our life, and it gets easier and easier to lie. And before we know it, we've dug ourselves a hole, and we too realize the truth of Scripture that we cannot escape. So we say to ourselves here, what, what are we to do? Very straightforward, very simple message today. And so you say to yourselves, what do I do? You realize maybe the Lord's been speaking to you even before today, and you say to yourself, I understand that I, I too can get a little loose with the truth, and even that, we're being kind to ourselves when we say that. We can lie. What should you do? First of all, confess your sin of lying to the Lord and others. Write these down. Confess your sin of lying to the Lord and confess it to others. You get serious about it and say, you know what, yeah, you know, on the... Uh, if I were to ask 100 people, is my lie worse than the deceit of Bernie Madoff? They're going to say, no, of course not. But I can't just explain it away because one little lie turns into a bigger lie, which turns into a bigger lie, which turns into a bigger lie, and it becomes a major, major issue. And then we're convincing ourselves in our own sort of vacuum of moral relativism. We're convincing ourselves that cheating people out of $65 billion worth of pension is okay. And you say, oh, I'll never get there. And maybe you never would. But we have to take the truth very seriously. Confess your sin of lying to the Lord and to others. Number two, do not lie to yourself about half-truths, exaggerations, and missing information. Right? We're really good about this, too. We'll tell half-truths at times. We'll exaggerate things at times. Missing information here and there. Right? we got to be honest with ourselves. You know who are some of the worst about this? And it's sad to say, we pastors can do this. We pastors, when we're talking to other people, how many are you running? And that's a bad question that, that pastors love to ask themselves. But pastors can exaggerate those things. And that is a lie. That's a lie when we exaggerate those things. We explain it away, oh, this or that. But that is a lie. Don't lie to yourself about half-truths, exaggerations, and missing information. And then three, commit yourself not to settle for convenience and expediency. Oftentimes we'll do that as well because we'll know, oh, if I just kind of 
tell this little, if I twist, turn it this way or twist it this way, we're not even being that honest with ourselves. But we know, okay, if we just kind of massage it here or there, it's just going to be the easiest thing in the end. Don't do that. Be honest with yourselves too. Commit yourselves not to settle for convenience and expediency. I want to end with this verse and then read. I want to read our focal verse and then one more again to you today. But it says this one more time, Proverbs 19.5, a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. And listen to this. In the very next chapter, Proverbs 20.17, bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be filled with gravel. You see, we can sort of do the sort of funny business with ourselves in our own mind about expediency and convenience. But what we gain from lies eventually will fill our mouth with gravel. Once again, the one who lies and deceives will ultimately, you will ultimately pay with your reputation and your trustworthiness. Let's pray. Lord God, as we come again and we hear the truth of your word this morning, May we not convince ourselves of, of, of telling half-truths. May we not convince ourselves of exaggerations. May we not convince ourselves of expediency and exaggeration for effect. But Lord, may we speak truth in all things. Lord, would you help to reveal to us? We're really good about lying to ourselves as well. You, will you reveal to us in our lives where we, where we lie, where we speak half-truths, where we deceive? And Lord, may we confess it to you and confess it to others. There's others that we need to go to and confess a a particular lie into them. Confess an exaggeration to them. Ask them to forgive us. And then from that point on, Lord, would you give us the power to speak truth. Speak truth to ourselves and speak truth to others. In the name of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. I mentioned a moment.